Welcome to the Cross the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith, and today's episode is sponsored by Four Covers International in the Upstate on 1460 Emmon Road in Welford, South Carolina. So thank you, Miss Janet Rossman, for being another sponsor for us today. This episode is also sponsored by KB's Car Care on 321 North Main Street in Jonesville, South Carolina. They offer a hand car wash, vacuum, clean interior. Full detail is also available. While you wait on your vehicle, customer seating is available as well as the dining area. They're open Tuesday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. So make sure you stop by and visit them. So thank you, everyone, for being the sponsor of this the Cross Line Podcast. This is the first episode of the Self-Investment Tour 2021. Woo-woo! We have a very special guest with us today. She's very lively. I love her energy already. <laughs> um, it's been a joy and a pleasure to be sitting right here with her today. She's a serial entrepreneur. And right now we have Miss Camelia Masunda with us today. Hi. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. I'm oh, so excited to be here. Oh, absolutely. It's been an honor and a privilege. Like I said, we... This the, you're the first guest for the 2021 episode. Hey. So, you know, we got to start this off with a, a big bang. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's like I said, just this whole tour, this whole journey has been a blessing. Like I said, you know, you you as an entrepreneur, you know how it is as well. Exactly. You know? Just coming out of COVID, you know, just understanding how much work we're putting putting into our businesses and our vision to stay, you know, above ground and stay moving. I love what you guys are doing, and thank you so much for giving me this opportunity this evening. Absolutely. Like you said, with COVID, it kind of put a strain on a lot of things. You mm-hmm. know, for us, it's tough because we haven't done any interviews over Zoom, like we're saying. Um, we don't like to do Zoom. We like to, you know, be face-to-face. It's nothing like being personal. Yeah. You know, we've, you, if you do Zoom because you have to, you know, that was an error. But everybody's looking to get out and about and be able to discuss our dreams and who we are and do what, what you guys do. You know, let everybody's light shine. So I'm excited to be the first guest of 2021. Absolutely, and it's, and it's going to be a very special episode, so hopefully everybody enjoys this. But starting out, for people who don't know, um, if, they, if somebody walked up to you and asked, who is Camelia Masunda? What a question. So, Camelia Masunda is a mother. Uh, I'm a daughter, and I'm a wonderful friend, a community lover, a community supporter, and I am a serial entrepreneur. Um, I am the founder and CEO of Ebony Wine and Spirits. We celebrate black unity and culture around the globe um, through our wine and through uh, innovating innovating wine to take it into the next century of the new uh, wine lovers and still uh, connecting to the people who have been wine connoisseurs for a long time but love wine. But, you know, you got to keep moving things, you know, revolutionizing things and making sure that, hey, you know, we stay up with the time and Ebony Wine and Spirits is the new era in wine. Absolutely. Ebony Wine and Spirits, how long have you been in business? I believe, was it last year? Yeah, so actually it'll be a year year. in September. Everybody thinks we've been in wine longer, Um, but no, we started, uh, we started working, I started working on Ebony Wine and Spirits probably in 2018, but officially becoming a business. Um, and officially getting things launched and off the ground in 20, um, 2021, I mean, sorry, 2020 during um, COVID. And I had to, I was supposed to launch a little sooner, um, but I had to pivot instead of panic. And we launched in about September of last year. And it's been a full, fast, speedy road. Mm-hmm. And of all the businesses as an entrepreneur, what made you decide to, you know, go into the wine? Well, one, one, I fell in love with wine when I was in college. Um, It didn't actually seem like a place that I, something that I could do, but I definitely love a a challenge. And then just uh, traveling to different places, uh, trying wine, and then 
um, having so many different experiences and then just developing a love for it. I always tell people that I'm a student of wine. So mm -hmm. as much as we're coming up with different varietals, which means different types of wine, um, I'm studying the people, I'm studying the wine, I'm going to different um, places in different regions, trying to make sure that we come up with something that um, our consumers will love. And so really just uh, falling in love with wine and seeing um, the lack of representation in wine, but also sell, wanting to tell the story um, that hasn't been told about where black people already exist in wine. Mm -hmm. And I saw that online in the article, it said uh, less than 1% of wineries in America are, um, less than 1% are owned by black women. When you saw that, was that something that kind of even motivated you even more to step into that space? Definitely, definitely. Um, in 2021, I mean, come on, it shouldn't be pretty much anything that should be 1% owned, you know? Right. And so um, to see an industry that we are deep, you know, consumers in, but still see a 1% representation is terrible to me. So, But it also um, is a catalyst for me to say, hey, what can I do to change these things? But also, what am I going to do um, and charge myself with doing to make sure that our next generation has tremendous opportunities and keep them from being the 1% within the wine industry? Hmm. I'm always fascinated with entrepreneurs, you know, kind of like their backstory of um, what make, how do they get to where they are? Because a lot of times when we see things on TV, we only see the finished product. And we never know the story of like, how this person person got to where they are. So for you, kind of like your backstory, like where are you originally from and like, did you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Okay, I definitely did not come from a family of entrepreneurs. I am a first generation entrepreneur um, within my immediate family. Um, well, I can't say that. My mother is my business partner in our um, other business. We own an Afrocentric Child Development Center here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, with that being said, it's a we call it our mini HBCU. It's from infants and toddlers to uh, to school age children, um, where we nurture, teach, um, and provide a safe environment that uh, teaches them and educates them on who they are, history, um, from language, from um, all cognitive development skills. So I think uh, she's my partner in that business. Mm -hmm. But um, as far as stepping out on my own, I would consider myself a first generation entrepreneur and that really means a lot to me because um, understanding how important it is to have something and to leave a legacy when it comes to not only your family but to other children that you and in uh, the community that you work with um, it's very important as an entrepreneur to have that lasting legacy but also be known for not you know not just wine or not just me being a serial entrepreneur but being truly known for being invested in the community that has done so much to serve me absolutely and was it anything in particular um that made you say, you know what, I don't want to do the traditional, you know, nine to five because a lot of times. Oh, I do a traditional nine to five. Oh, you still do as well? No, I'm, I'm just joking. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you said you, you, was, I thought you were still doing that traditional nine to five. Okay. Yeah, so when you come into, I don't know why people, um, when you come into entrepreneurship, they really don't look at things as nine to five because you're really doing a 24 seven. It you is. You know, it's not entrepreneurship is not you're lucky if you get to go to work from just nine to five because right. at nine you clock in it's actually at five harder you clock, it, it's extremely harder because 
before you clock in nine times out of ten, I got to make sure that everything, my team and me, we're making sure that everything is going to be um, set up and done properly so that it runs from you to come in at nine. And even when you leave at five, everything still has to have checks and balances. So with entrepreneurship, especially serial entrepreneurship, you're constantly, you know, you're going to be constantly on the grind, constantly working um, to make sure that these uh, these businesses and, you know, these people, because now you're responsible for so many different other livelihoods. You know, yeah. as an entrepreneur, you're responsible for everybody who works for you. Because if it doesn't go right, how are you going to pay the people who work for you? Exactly. So, um, not to say that I have a nine to five. I have a twenty four seven. But when you love what you do, it doesn't even feel like work. Right. Like I absolutely love every business that I have. Is something that stands out to me. Is something that means so much to my heart. Um, and it's something that I feel as if I serve the community in doing, even in wine, people would say, how do you serve the community in wine? Because at the end of the day, I'm really letting people know that this is possible. It's one thing to just have a business. It's another thing to give hope mm -hmm. and for someone else to be able to see you and say, Hey, you did it. I believe that I can do it. Absolutely. And just with you, by you saying that, it reminded me of something. One of my mentors, one of my great friends, Ben Hall said, he said, as an entrepreneur, he feels as if every business that you have kind of serves as a ministry it because is. it pulls everybody together and then you just fulfill them. And it's always something like your gift will bring people together. And he said, that's just how, well, he bakes cakes. Mm -hmm. And um, he, he, he's done a lot of things, worked a nine to five. He played professional ball and then he worked, came back home, worked a nine to five and started baking cakes. But he felt that, it, you know, with him baking cakes was like that ministry that brought so many people from so many different cultures together. Right. And it's one of the beautiful things about, about being an entrepreneur. Exactly. I totally agree with your mentor. <laughs> and one, you said something that was early that was kind of uh, interesting as well. You were talking about your team, like as an entrepreneur, for people listening, how important is that to surround yourself with the, um, the right team? Listen, the one thing I've learned um, in entrepreneurship um, with things that I've lacked. I'm, I'm a student in everything that I do because I'm always studying and learning how to get better. Um, not having a team keeps you stagnant. It keeps you, you may have a business, but if you're looking to create an enterprise or something that is going to be lasting and impactful, then having the right people around you who see where you're going, who get that this is bigger than me. It's no, it's no one in this business, I know on my team and with Ebony Wine and Spirits, even with um, you know our other businesses, there's nobody bigger than the business. You right. know, you have the quarterback, but what's the quarterback without the team? Absolutely. Um, so, and what's the what's the team without the coach? When it's time to make, you know, you need people to make the plays, you need people to run the plays, and you need the team to come together to make sure we have a whole. We can't play without everybody, and Absolutely. so to have the team is to have. Um, that's what really creates generational wealth. When you have all like-minded individuals who are just as driven as you and just as focused and determined as you, then you're a powerhouse. Uh, I think that's where we, you know, we often lack when it comes to entrepreneurship is understanding and then being able to implement having those proper people around you so that your vision stays uh, impactful but stays flourishing. Absolutely. And, and of course, with your vision, like it's, of course, it's your vision for you. And they mm -hmm. might not see things that, the way you see it, but it's still important to have them around because they still may they still might be better at certain things that, mm -hmm. than you are in certain exactly. so they keep And they can tell you how it is and keep you straight. And you always need those those people around you in your corner. But, of course, because entrepreneurship at times is like a, a lonely journey. 
And you can drive yourself insane sometimes when you're just so locked in and it's like, you feel like you don't have anybody to talk to at times. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. I always tell my team is an absolute gift. Even today, um, I, I would be lying if I say if I said that um, our journey or this being in this wine journey, um, it, it does sometimes get overwhelming. I think mm-hmm. people can, you know, you see the Bel Airs, you see the um, Browns, you see so many different things, but they're not, you know, a lot of people don't talk about the road, the heavy road of, hey, like today I don't feel like I gave 110% or, you know, mm-hmm. the imposter syndrome or different things like that. And you need your team because those they are the ones whose arms are going to carry you, right. you know, in those times. Even my partner today, he's just telling me like, hey, like you're doing more than enough. You're doing amazing. You're, you know, you got, you got this. Like, so just having people around you who are going to have your back, who are going to carry you when you, you know, you may... I'll be overthinking something, which oftentimes, you know, we do. I know I do. So (laughs) just having people there to encourage you and uplift you is very powerful and very beneficial in entrepreneurship. And and like you said, you need those people because, like I said, I overthink things at times. And and I haven't even told my buddy Calvin, my partner, (laughs) man, it was back right around my birthday. You know, I was still trying to brainstorm and trying to figure out this tour and everything. And. Those guys hit me up, hey, man, let's just go out for your birthday and just, like, get you out a little bit. Cause yes. A lot of times, for me personally, like, I don't really go out a lot. Like, I'm so locked in and trying to trying to build something exactly. for everybody. And um, just inspire people that I'm like, man, what's next? What's next? Oh, that's the entre- Listen, that's it the is. entrepreneur in you because yeah. you want more. You're striving for more. Absolutely. And, like, I... Like, I wrote my book. My book just came out back Congratulations. in. Oh, thank you, thank you. Congratulations. I wish, I wish I had one of my books with me. I would have gave you one, but I'll make sure you, I promise you I'll get you one. Please do. I promise you I'll get Please you one. Please do. But um, my book was released back in um, March, um, mm-hmm. right actually on my birthday, March 23rd. And, uh, you know, we celebrated the book, had a book signing and everything. And probably for maybe like a day or two, you know, I was like happy about it and everything, which I, I still love my book. But then next thing you know, I'm just like, all right. What's, What's next? next? What's next? And there's, but there's nothing wrong with that. That's called being hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with striving. But also, what I've had to learn um, is that you still have to give your step, take a moment to give yourself um, that joy, that celebration of what you're doing. You know how many people every day say, "I'm gonna write a book. I'm gonna write a book." Never do it. So That's to true. sit down and to take your thoughts and be able to implement them in book form, edits, and all those things that bring a book to life, that's very powerful. And even you as a black man, understanding what you did and what you're doing is just so uh, more than powerful. It's inspirational, and mm-hmm. it's going to be you know the story that other young black males are going to see and really say, you know what, because he did it, I can do it too. Right. And I tell anybody, I actually wrote that part of that in my book, it's like I'm I'm not better than anybody. I'm not the most athletic. I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I just had a vision of what I wanted to do. Um, I locked in on it, and I just got it done. It was, it was about a three-year process. It still takes self-discipline, and that's what you, you got to have do. that discipline. And it, and for me, and, I, and I'm going to ask you about it as well, because um, for me, I always say, if, if to me, it feels like as an entrepreneur, it's always a certain point. It's like something, maybe kind of like a breaking point where you say, you know what, something's got to change. And um, I want to do, I'm, I'm going to lock in and do what I said I'm going to do. And for me, that point was, and I said all the time, was just working two jobs and, you know, trying to pay student loans and all these bills. And I just felt like a robot. Mm-hmm. And then I said, you know what, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to quit my job. And I, I quit my second shift job and I went home and I started writing. And I was like, that was the beginning of just you know, that process of just working two jobs and working, going back and forth, mm-hmm. just feeling like a robot. 
And so for you, was there any particular point, like maybe like a low point or anything that actually that used to push you towards entrepreneurship? Um, I would say, and I'm not going to say a low point, but honestly, people don't know. I've been an entrepreneur since I graduated uh, college. I was actually, I started being an entrepreneur even when I was in college. You can go mm. back on my Instagram. I remember the first pair of earrings that I posted on Instagram and was selling. I've always been, I've always wanted to sell something, create something, have a service. So it's not so much um, what I, it's not so much something that pushed me to do it. It was just always the aspect of wanting more. I had my daughter when I was 15. So just always, you know, being thinking to myself, I got to show up. I got to be more. I got to strive. Like, I got to, she's going to see me. What am I going to have to give? What am I going to have to give her? What type of inspiration am I going to be for her? And I've always said to myself, I don't, when I act, when they ask my daughter, who is your inspiration? Who's your role model? You know, they always ask children, mm-hmm. like, who's your role model? And gosh, you know, that's her. A lot of kids don't say their parents. And, you mm-hmm. know, that's hurtful. I needed her in my head. I always wanted her to say my mom is my role model not just because I'm her mom but because like I go to get it in everything I do like I'm striving for it in everything I do and that she really genuinely sees like hey they they don't work harder than my mama like my mama work hard my mama like she really loves what she do she's really invested in her community she loves her business like she goes to get it and I just always wanted her to look at me like that so whether it's us having or us lacking in material I've always had this vision of what I want for her, what I want for her but also always working with children and then wanting to be this person for them mm-hmm. you know it's a different feeling when you can say I can give you this scholarship right. you know even just simple things for me um in my community, you know, seeing so many, like, you seeing so many, like, little brown kids with all these talents, you know, how little boys can, they can flip naturally, like gymnasts. They can mm-hmm. just flip off swings off of anything. They've never had a class. they never had anything. But what if, you know, we had entrepreneurs who truly fully invest in their community? I'm not telling you to put every dime just into their community, but understand us together putting a certain percentage back into our communities to create opportunity we can alleviate a lot of problems that are within our communities by making sure that we are of service that we have different programs and different campaigns that are literally pretty much like your ties you gotta pay this in your community because these are the same people who help you these are the programs that help you and so you have to keep these programs going on so what if that little boy who we saw through that one flip now we we invested in him now they have money we have transportation to get him to an actual gymnastics class you know, we got the next gold medalist right here. Absolutely. You know, whether it be sports, whether it be STEM, no matter what it is, but you're really your goal within entrepreneurship can't just be selfish. You know, it just can't right. be um for you. So just going back to your question, uh, really for me, I don't know. I've always had people who invest in my life. I've always been in so many different programs, um, just coming from where I come from in neighborhoods and different things like that. And then just... Um, feeling like I have to be more, I have to do more. Um, And I can even take time where people, I was in like a sandwich shop and this man walked uh, past and he said, I remember you said, you used to always talk about what you was gonna do. I remember you said, girl, you did that too. You You did everything you said you was gonna do. So it doesn't matter if you working at McDonald's, 
if you're working at Burger King or wherever you're working, I'm always in my mindset, I'm gonna be the best at wherever I'm at. Absolutely. I don't, I've never had the mindset of, I don't own this or, you know, they ain't paying me for this job. I, that's not my mindset because everything like that is training. Mm-hmm. Anything that you're it's doing, any of those jobs, but it's training. You can't, how, you, how are you running a business and you've never been in a position of a worker? Therefore, Absolutely. I don't even know what, what to provide for them. How can I invite, provide the right environment and the resources that they need to do, to, to do the job for, for our company to build, to help us build? So any type of anything like that is truly a stepping stone for you, but it's also your training. It's okay for, I think we've kind of got, got off this thing like, you know, I'm never working for anyone, but I'm thankful for it any and everybody who gave me an opportunity mm-hmm. to work or let me intern, whether it be to sweep your floor or stack these books, certain things teach discipline. Mm-hmm. Certain things teach you what to do and how to handle these situations when it becomes your turn. And without those things, as in skipping steps, there's no way to be prepared for for the top spot. How can you get to the top spot if you if you don't know every, you should know, I believe in entrepreneurship, you need to know every player's position Absolutely. because you never know that when you're going to have to step in. Absolutely. And I think, like you said, that's like a, for me, I believe that's one of the biggest, biggest misunderstandings with entrepreneurship is you say when people say they don't want to work for anybody. For me, it's like you're always serving somebody. You have to serve the people, help somebody out. For instance, like if, you're, if you have a restaurant and you have people come in, they want to eat. You can't say I don't want I don't work for you. Like if they say they want this to eat, you have to go get it for them. So you're still serving them in a certain sense. You see what I'm saying? It's not like exactly. It's like you have to serve people, and you know that's I feel like that's where you get your blessing from. Anyways, like when you pour into other people and, exactly. and, you, and you serve people. Exactly. You There's nothing in, wrong with service. Yeah, you can't go into that with that mentality of like I don't want to ever work for anybody. Um, if, if we were that same way, like hey, we don't want to talk to them. Like what would we have? You know. Exactly. Part of what we're doing now is you know sitting down and having these conversations and uh, I can't be like, hey, I don't want to talk to you. Like, what right. What? What sense would that make? Or maybe your business is not, you know, people feel like your your business or your podcast is not a certain status or a certain level, so I can't talk to you. I think that's probably one of my biggest things of why I want to give all podcasts, you know, if I can if I can make the time, I want to give you all, you know, give all podcasts an opportunity. You know, Absolutely. I want to, I'm excited to work with businesses. I'm excited to celebrate my wine, but I want to celebrate other wines too because mm-hmm. there's no store that you can go into when it's wine on the shelf and it's just one wine right because nine times out of ten if i buy yours especially black owned wines and black owned businesses if i buy yours i want to buy all five i want to buy all ten because i want all of them sitting on my shelf exactly and it's like we have to support each other and, and like you said earlier about pouring into our communities why do you think for some reason uh, not saying that we don't do it but it seems like we have a little bit harder time in our community, supporting each other as like when we see other communities, like they, um, like I remember having this conversation with a guy at work. He's um, he's Russian, and I said, "Hey man, how do y'all, how do, how does y'all your community um, do?" He said, "Man, what we do is we don't spend above our means. Like he said, we'll live together, we'll support each other, and we'll pass things down in our family. So we that's how we keep keep everything, and that's exactly what he said. But for a lot of times in our community." For one, we don't really already have those resources, but at the same time, if we do have the opportunity to support each other at times, we may not always necessarily support each other because we feel like we're competition to each other. So why do you feel like at times we may not uh, 
support each other as much as we should? Okay, well, one, I speak in terms of affirmation. I speak over my community when it comes to that. I surround myself with only people and and businesses and and just energies that are supporting our community, that are showing love, that are celebrating each other. Anything right. outside of that, I believe that's either you're dealing on a self on a self level of what you're struggling with personally, mm-hmm. of why you're not supporting anything. I don't think that's just because you're a brown or black person, however you identify. But I also you also have to understand systematically how we've been trained to, and what what's been done in our communities, mm-hmm. so that our dollars don't return to our communities. Um, you know, if you understand Tulsa, if you understand the many mm-hmm. communities that that where we had our dollar circulating, our, when we put our dollar in our community, it would circulate for over a year before it stepped out of our community because we had the the grocery store, the barbershop, the dentist, the doctors, all of these things within our community. Oh, yeah. And you have to understand what was done in our community to make us go outside of our community. So we had to. And so it's really understanding, unlearn and relearn. And then just like are today i believe that we have a we have an explosion of millennials um even gen xers who understand um and then our our children generation z who understand that hey this is it it has to be no other way we are fighting to put our dollars in our community you can't i can't talk to a group of black brothers and sisters and they're not talking about spending with each other Mm -hmm. and being deliberate from where i get my hair done to where i go to my dentist to where i go to my pharmacy you name it everything that i do I'm not only teaching myself to do that, I'm teaching my children to do that. So the first thing they say, oh, is it black owned? Because they know Mm -hmm. that that only way out is that if you can't find no other way, and it has to be a, a, a religious thing that we do, not defensive, you know, or not like negative to anybody else, but I have a duty to my community first. And that's just that's just that's just bottom line. Absolutely. Even when it comes to grants, when it comes to scholarships, and when it comes to um, opportunities for me, my first job was House of Africa. My first internship was Judge Shirley Fulton, a black woman. Uh, like from a down the line to my first mentors, to I went to HBCU. So everything down the line it has to line up this way and it has to line up this way deliberately and it's not again back to your question it's not so much of why this why this happened it's we know why it happened we know what was done to us Mm -hmm. so but we don't we don't get to dwell there it's about what do we do to make to ensure that things are changed from here on out because mm-hmm. we deserve the opportunity just like Russians just like Italians just like Jewish people to make sure that dollar stays in our community to preserve the livelihood of our families and our people absolutely and I think that's so important like you say kind of kind of like it was kind of ingrained us in a, in a sense but like and one of the things I wish honestly like when I say things about college and stuff, I kind of wish I would have went to an HBCU just to be around. Yeah, everybody, you know, everybody who didn't go to HBCU, which yeah. they went to HBCU. But it, it's, it, it's, it's okay. And it's, it's one of those. <laughs> but it was, okay. it was one of those things which is kind of we don't, negative things about HBCUs. And, and, then it, and that's pro, and that's an unlearn and re, that's an unlearn and relearn type of thing, too. I know with my daughter just going to um, getting into college. And she had a lot of opportunities in a lot of places. Um, her dad works for, uh, a, you know, I, 
a space company, I guess that's what you call it. But she was going to get a full ride off the sense of for her academics and for, you know, who he um, worked for as an engineer. And, you know, when it all boiled down to it, you know, I let her, I kind of bagged off and it was just her decision, you know, right. what you want to do. But when she came to me and said, Mom, I'm going to A&T State University, majoring yes. in software engineer, you know, I couldn't do nothing but turn flips because at the end of the day, you want to know that all the investment that I put into my child, she's ready yeah, to know, give right. that back. And I wanted her, you know, just having her to go where people are going to nurture her and love on her. So it does, to me, it does mean something. I would never knock anybody who went to any other university mm -hmm. because at the fact that you chose to go to college, that you chose to educate yourself is an awesome thing. But I do have a pride for where I went to school at yeah. and he, where I pledged at. So it's just a big thing. Now, I will say I honestly had some of the best time at a, my, one of my best friends. He went to South Carolina State. <laughs> and that was some of the best parties that I went to because their homecoming from ours was, like, totally different. It was, it was nothing the same. It was, like, night and day with the homecoming. Listen. It was a great time. I already know. You can't listen. I went yeah. to HBCU, so. And even some HBCUs that I went didn't go to, but I was there at homecoming. So, yeah, you know, it's a different it's really vibe, fun. you know. And I just think it's, it's something different when they go out and they're just prepared. With her, I just want her to be prepared for uh, just her destiny when it comes mm -hmm. out and then to be surrounded by people who are adamantly um, focused on making sure that she is has all the resources that she needs and she's built up and prepared for society. Right. I want to ask you, you know, with you being a serial entrepreneur and your daughter growing up and seeing this, were you kind of, um, which way did you want her to go? Did you want her to go to college or was you leaning towards entrepreneurship? Because I actually kind of got a little bit of pushback um, about a month ago, um, I had an article that was written about me, and they they had to change the art, the headline a little bit, and mm -hmm. it was it was something along the lines of uh, a single father um, encourages his son towards entrepreneurship instead of college. So the headline got twisted. So when people were coming on, it was like, well, why not encourage both? Why not? It's nothing wrong with getting an education. Um, and I guess it, a lot of it had to do with the title of my book. But if you read it, you'll understand. Um, the title of it is F School Life is Your Best Teacher, and on the cover of it is me and my son, and he's holding my degree. So it's like, why is he saying F School when he went and got a degree? So the headline got twisted a little bit um, because of the title, and once people were reading it, they was like, well, he's not encouraging his son to go to college. And that's not what I was saying at all, especially if you read my book. But for you, what, what way were you swaying her towards entrepreneurship, or was he like, Totally up to her. Well, Lanaya is a two-time author. We've co-wrote books together. She went to college. When I went to college, she was there when I pledged. So she already mm. went to HECU. So I wouldn't have been surprised if she went somewhere else. But we also own a business together. So when it comes to her and her decisions, when it comes to what she wants to do, I told her from day one, I don't. I, if you go to college, you go to college. Right. If it's something else that you feel like you don't need college for and you need a trade for, then we deal. We live in a different day in society where all the jobs are not necessarily for your college base. Exactly. It's tech job. It's so many different fields that you can go into. It's so many top fields now from from things like plumbing, things like, you know, so many different trades that are top dollar more than some of what some of the, the degrees that people have because mm -hmm. it's so much, I mean, it's such a lack of these jobs of people being able to do this skill or have this skill. So they're getting, so their top dollar are being paid to people 
who can do welding, who can do plumbing, who different, and that's a trade. So I'm never going to tell my daughter, or if I had a son, I'm never going to tell them, hey, if you want to do this, if you want to be an artist, if you want to be an artist and you already got the talent and you don't feel like you need to go, then I'm not telling my child to, I'm not telling my child to do that. My child wants to be a software engineer. So Mm -hmm. sis, I can't teach you that. Right. You might want to go to college because Mm -hmm. yeah, I can't help, like I can help you start a company. I can help you start a business, baby, but at the end of the day, I also want you to have the education to back it up. So it's just different strokes for different folks. And ultimately, she made the decision to go to college. If she would have told me she wasn't going to go to college, guess what? That's fine. Like, well, so what's our move? What are we about to do? Exactly. You know, and I just want her, I always wanted her to know that I had her back regardless of what. It really didn't matter. And that's why I said, like, with that headline, I, I didn't want people to say, hey, he's telling his son not to go to school. That was not the case. It's just, you know, for me, I was like, school is not for everybody, for one, but at the same time, it's so many different things. Like, you don't always have to go to school to be successful. You don't, everything is not meant for certain, like, certain fields, like, you don't have to go for certain things. It just depends on what you're going yeah, for. Yeah, it depends on what you really need to say about what you're going for. And, and of course, the doctor, lawyers, teachers, things yeah, like that. Yeah, certain things, yeah, and it just depends on what type of teacher you want, you want to be. So, it's certain things that you go to college for, but it's a lot of, we live in a different era. New day and time. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of stuff that you don't have to get a four-year degree right. for. I know you got to get ready to go. Um, so a few more questions. What would you say is the hardest part of being an entrepreneur? The hardest part of being an entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is hard. The thing is, if you don't love what you do, then it's hard. Right. But hard. What's hard for me? Um, I'm not gonna say it's hard to not give up, but you got to push yourself every day. I don't, I don't ever. I don't want anybody coming to this in a lie. You got to make sure that you're ready to push yourself nonstop every day. Because with that, when you lay down, because if it's what you've really chosen for, like in your purpose, when you lay down, it's going to eat at you. So it's not even something that you're going to be able to control. This thing pulls you up in the morning. This thing makes you jump out of bed. You're like, oh, I got to go do this today. I got to go do this today. And it's, I hope you love it because if you don't love it, you're going to stop doing it. Right. So I wouldn't say I don't, I'm, I don't really have a hardest part. Um, I have different times where I, it's hard for me to, I don't to for me to not be so ex, not excited, but not talk about what I do right. because I love doing what right. I do. It's, for me, it's kind of hard to just kind of like shut things off. Yeah, because for me, my mind like that's said, my dating thing. Like I, I be like trying to like not talk about it. Like, right. I be like, you know, don't say anything about right. minor business. Don't talk about it. There's nothing wrong, but there's nothing wrong with that. I mean. <laughs> But it's, it's for me, it's just like just trying to shut things. Like even when I'm with my kids at times, I'm like, my mind is always wondering, like, what's next? Oh, like, see, I, I have that. I have feel that. you. I feel you. But, like, that's how, that's my favorite time, though. Like, because I'm a big kid myself. Mm-hmm. So my playful time is, like, different. Like, my family time is always lit. Like, I love my family. Like, we're going to run around. Right. Like, if you go to my school now, like I, cause I, like I said, I have an Afrocentric Child Development Center, and my kids are, hey, Miss Camille, hey, Miss Camille. I mean, they could see me all day, every day. When I come in there, when it's, hey, Miss Camille, they're going to run up, they're going to give me love. and they, But they give me my energy to make me hype. But I love playing with them. I love seeing them. I just love spending time with them, too. How, how long have you had? Um, Since 2016. 2016? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a five years now yeah that's my heart those are my babies what was the biggest lesson you learned um from this pandemic i learned that anything is possible like like if you can get through it if you can get through it you can grow through it and like 
it's really nothing that can stop that can stop you. Like this is what happened. We really started a, like we really launched during a pandemic, and it hasn't even mm-hmm. been a year. So this is what we're coming within one one year. This is how hard we're coming. And like I'm just excited to see. Wait till I get two years under my belt, three years. I with this team I have behind, we we we're coming hard. So get ready to know our name in wine, Ebony Wine and Spirits. We we're we're coming and we're coming hard, yeah, we, and we're gonna have. Listen, we're gonna have a world of people all over the world behind us coming with us. I was gonna tell you, we are we are one hundred percent behind you. We gonna ride with you all, yes. all the way. Yes, yes. Listen, we, we are, gonna look back at this podcast interview. And you're like, y'all remember when we did our first podcast interview? Yep. Listen, now then it's gonna be like we we want to listen. They on the top black up wine in the whole world now. Y'all mm-hmm. remember that? And then we gonna come back at it as a top. You know what I'm saying? Black on wine, a serious company. And then we're like, yeah. So you remember that time? Yep. And you heard it right here on this podcast. Right here. <laughs> how do you how do you think the the wine industry is going to look going forward? It's gonna it's gonna level up. Like they're gonna see they're they're starting to see now. It's a new game in wine because now you got it's so many different industries. Tech is coming into wine. You got so many different types of people so many wine cannot there's not one industry that say that stays the same and wine is going to be one of them so it's going to be innovative yes you're going to have your in uh your traditional wineries but you're going to see a lot more urban wineries pop up you're going to see a lot more uh quirky hipster type wineries you're going to see just a lot of things a lot of things evolve and change because we're gonna still look back and be like, you remember when you know wineries look like this, but things have things have to grow, evolve, and they change. There's nothing that nothing stays the same. Right? Everything changes. Everything changes. Mm-hmm. So we're just happy to be on the forefront in an industry that we get to help create change in, and then we're just like, hey, we're we're gonna be a catalyst to this change too. My final three questions. If, if okay. there was anything that you could do differently, um, what would you tell your younger self to do? Oh, my God. Not to care what anybody says. Don't listen to anybody. They're all wrong. Like, they're, mm-hmm. they don't know. Their, their answers of do it like this, dress like this, talk like this, it's all wrong. Do you and be you because that is what's going to get you to where you want to be. Absolutely. And what does motherhood mean to you? Oh, my God. I love being a mom. Don't make me cry. Um, I love being Naya's mom. I hate the fact that she's grown up and now I have to like have a life and be a person just on my own. It's so sad. And what does motherhood mean to me? It means just being a nurturer. Like it's nothing like um, having feminine energy. You know, you have, I have both like masculine and feminine energy, but my feminine energy, like I'm a nurturer and I just want to hold her and coddle her and protect her from the world. Like even with her going to college, I'm like, I want to buy this property. I want to do this. What if I lived here? How mad would she be? Like, but I, you know, she's like, no, mom, go have a life. But it just means just being able to love on someone, be accountable to someone and being able to teach and provide for her and protect her i love there is nothing like motherhood and i believe motherhood is a gift absolutely i'm, I'm sorry i know i said go ahead no more, no uh, problem two more, two more okay if you had a layout for people watching if you had to lay out a blueprint for a business everybody's business is going to be different but for you um 
and you can just put your own spin to it, mm-hmm. what would you say your blueprint for a business would be? First and foremost, the dream. You got to start with the dream. After the dream, I need you to make sure that that dream mat aligns with your purpose. And now it's time to write down and implement why we're doing this. So now you got the dream and you got the purpose. That is your blueprint. That's the guidelines mm-hmm. of what you're supposed to do and why you're supposed to do it. Now I need you to take that and it's time to implement that into the structure of what you want to see within your business and how does it line up with your purpose and your mission. That was a phenomenal answer right there. I, <laughs> I love that answer. This is my final question. This is the, like I said, you were the first guest on the Cross the Line podcast. This is the 2021 self-investment tour. Uh-huh. So my final question is, what does self-investment mean to you? Uh, that's number one key. That's number one, investing in yourself and self-love. If you don't have that, you don't have anything. Because um, if I, you are the mastermind. So you should always be reading, learning, studying everything to build you as a person, to grow you to where you want to be. You can't do that if you lack investing in yourself. So that aligns with self-discipline. Um, understanding that you're never too old to be investing in you, um, elevating yourself. Because that, is, to me, that is like a key component into what your team is going to look like. Because the more you invest in yourself, the more you're going to be able to pour in everybody else. Absolutely. Well, Miss Camelia, we want to thank you again for your time. <laughs> we really enjoyed this. This was a great conversation. We know you got to get back to work. Um, but like you say, you love what you do. So I love what I do. So yes. now, listen, they say if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So before right. we get out of here, can you tell everybody how to find you on social media? All right. Hello, world. My name is Camelia Masunda, and I'm the founder and CEO of Ebony Wine and Spirits. Follow us on Instagram at Ebony Wine and Spirits, on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Just hashtag that Ebony Wine and Spirits or put it into Google, and you'll find all of our news, who we are and where we are. Stay connected. Absolutely. Oh, and, and the wine, Kinshasa? Kinshasa. 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 I got it right Yes, you got it right on the first time. So, yeah, if you go to our website, Ebony Wine and Spirits, you can see all of our links. Um, we have some great things going on. Um, you're going to be able to come experience Kinshasa very soon. So I don't want to go into that, but I want you to do me a favor and like follow and just support who we are while we celebrate who you are thank you this is the wine i'm buying now <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you now like i said it's black owned I'm, I'm supporting it um this this is what i'm buying now thank so, you so i really appreciate it uh, um uh, we appreciate uh. you just coming on and everything this was great and hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode of this cross the line podcast it's a self-investment tour keep chasing your dreams thank you for listening